Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Back in the year 2000, Google adopted the motto, don't be evil. It's not their motto anymore, even though Google still wants people to see the company as a force for good. But in recent years, a growing number of workers have been speaking up about a lot of different problems with the company. And now a new union announced this week is the latest and maybe the biggest attempt at giving workers at a Silicon Valley mega corporation more power. We really want to save Alphabet from itself, stop it from becoming just another one of these huge uh, inhuman faceless entities that bulldozes humanity for the sake of profit. The Alphabet Workers Union is just a small fraction of the workers that make up Google's parent company. But when you consider how hard it is to organize in the tech world, especially at Alphabet, forming a union is monumental. Today, what this new union hopes to accomplish and what role they could play in shaping tech in the future. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. Google's huge. I mean, it's like hard to underestimate how big they are. Sam Harnett is a Silicon Valley reporter for KQED. Everyone thinks of Google as the company, of course, but it's Alphabet which is the names suggest A through Z, right? I mean, they have they have so many different companies. I mean, Search, you know, they bought YouTube, uh, Waymo, Autonomous Cars. It just goes on and on and on. Unionizing at a place like Google is made very, very difficult by the nature of the company. Google and other Silicon Valley companies have a very fissured or fractured workplace. 
A lot of the workers are temporary. A lot of them are contract workers. Uh, even in terms of full-time employees, there's, there's a vast disparity with what workers get. So it's very difficult to unionize. This is a very significant, very public step. And what the Alphabet Union did is the first step towards some kind of traditional union. How is this new Alphabet Workers Union different from a traditional union? So with a regular union, a majority of workers will get together at a company. They will get certified by the National Labor Relations Board, and they will come out as a union to their company, and then they will have collective bargaining rights. These are only 200 workers at Google. They don't have a majority. They're not recognized by the National Labor Relations Board. Um, they're calling themselves a minority union. And again, all unions kind of start like this. They start with a small group of workers coming together and saying, hey, we're like, we're unhappy and we want to change it. Mm-hmm. What the union that these Google Workers Forum does allow, it, it allows them to take programmers and engineers with full-time jobs and contractors and service workers and have them together into one uh, worker group. Under the National Labor Relations Act, contractors actually can't join unions. Uh, And at Google, over half of the workers are either temp or contract. Um, So this is a minority union. And I think it is really, it's a step towards getting more people at Google and getting more people at Silicon Valley companies to come out uh, and and join worker groups. So let's actually talk about some of the specifics of the Alphabet Workers Union, which is the, the official name. Which workers make up this union? So this new union at Google is 200 workers. It's everyone from bus drivers and people in the cafeteria to programmers and engineers. It includes uh, contract workers, part-time workers, and employees. Um, and again, at, at over, a little over 200 people, it's just a fraction uh, of Google's 260,000 mm-hmm. workers. But it is uh, this first public union of its kind. And, and what, what do they want? If you look at the op-ed that uh, in the New York Times that the Google workers wrote, they have a wide range of issues. I mean, everything from a lack of diversity at the companies, uh, issues of sexual harassment, uh, the contracts that Google has with the military and police departments. But you can boil it all down to one simple thing. The workers feel like their voice isn't being heard and that they don't have power at the company. One of the most significant things about this happening at Google is back in the day when Google started, it promised to be different. I mean, you remember their old slogan, right? Don't be evil. <laughs> right. Don't be evil. So so Google really was a poster child for this, you know, Silicon Valley startup, a different kind of capitalism, you know, corporations that run, aren't run the same way. And now you have workers saying, actually, this feels like a lot more of the same. This actually looks very similar to the, the capitalism of the past and the corporations of the past. So the fact that it's happening there um, in the kind of a grander narrative, I think is that that is significant. Yeah, I mean, first thing is like, how does it feel? How does it feel to have made the announcement? You know, it's really, um, it's a little bit cathartic. It's a little bit enervating. So I spoke with Alexander Peterson, who's a software engineer and you know, I think like a lot of people at Google, he, when he first came there a couple of years ago, uh, he was really excited. He was really nerding out on all, all, all the things that Google does. It was this magical place where everybody uh, works together and you can, we build a planet scale computer that operates in lots of different countries. We own our own oceanic cable. But over the years, he's felt... 
He told me that he felt like he had less and less power that actually was very hierarchical, that he didn't have, you know, it seemed like when he first got there, he'd have the possibility to do all these things and all these doors were open. But when he got there, uh, it started seeming more and more like it was a traditional company. And, and he, you know, uh, a lot of these things uh, over the last four or five years that have happened to Google really bugged him. Hmm. You know, the the claims of sexual harassment, mm-hmm. um, the fact that some people have been fired, uh, you know, for speaking out, yeah. uh, all that sort of stack up. The retaliation that I saw against these organizers of the women's walkout and and comparing it with the, the payout to Andy Rubin, it felt that some of us are considered more disposable than others. And for him, it was, it was a really bigger thing. He, he doesn't want to be part of a company that in his mind is doing bad stuff. Well, you know, we've had you on the show before to talk about all these issues that you're talking about, some of the protests and activism that have popped up in Silicon Valley over the last few years. Can you give us a sense of how long this union has been in the works for? So this union is a culmination of workers uh, at these Silicon Valley companies organizing for the past few years. And I would say there's two camps. There's the service workers who have been organizing in a more traditional way, trying to get unions for benefits and more pay. And then there have been the white collar workers who have had sort of a, I would say, a political awakening over the last few years and decided, hey, you know, we're not happy with our, what our companies are doing and we, we feel like we need more power. And on the white collar side, I mean, the key, key moment is 2018, the Google walkout. Now let's get our voices heard again. Join me. Stand up. Fight back. Stand up. Fight back. Stand up. Fight back. And at that moment, 20,000 workers at Google walked out. The spark for that protest was uh, sexual harassment and the fact that some executives who were, were accused of sexual harassment were leaving with hefty bonuses. That was the spark. But at that walkout, there were lots and lots of grievances. A lack of diversity, uh, the fact that Google uh, was working with military and police departments, and basically just a, a feeling of uh, that workers didn't have power. We're all here for different reasons, and you'll hear some of them today. But a common thread is that after being silent, or made to feel silent for so long, we realize that we can no longer be that steady ship in the port, remaining so strong, yet so solitary and so voiceless. And since then, you know, there has been many, many smaller moments of of workers at Google and other Silicon Valley companies speaking out. In 2019, Google workers started speaking out uh, uh, about projects Google was taking with the US military that they didn't like. Uh, And then late last year, Dr. Timnit Gebru, who's a uh, computer scientist who is at Google, focusing on uh, algorithmic bias and data mining. And she says she was fired by Google for being outspoken about what she saw as issues at the company. This was a huge moment of controversy. People inside Google and outside of Google were really upset with her firing. And, And this was also a black woman who was fired by Google, which kind of crosses with the idea of having diversity problems in tech as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that what happened to her is indicative of what a lot of people in this union are upset about, which is that they feel like they don't have actually a lot of power at the company. 
Has Google said anything in response to the union? Google released a two or three sentence statement which did not acknowledge the union. And they actually, in that little statement, they sort of parroted the language that uh, corporations often use against unions, which is that they prefer to talk directly with their employees as opposed to going through a union. And that's that's a line that, you know, if you look at the Walmart responses to unions or if you look at anti-union propaganda videos from companies like Walmart or Target, they constantly talk about how uh, at their company they prefer to talk directly to workers. Why might a company like Google not want workers to organize like this? I mean, again, you got to go back. This is in the roots of Silicon Valley. So I want to read you a quote by Robert Noyce, who is the, he was the co-founder of Intel. People used to call him back in the day the mayor of Silicon Valley. So Robert said, remaining non-union is essential for survival for most of our companies. If we had the work rules that unionized companies have, we'd all go out of business. So Robert Noyce isn't around anymore, but that sentiment is still very much uh, a part of Silicon Valley. Executives keeping workers uh, from forming a union and having that kind of solidarity allows them to maintain control over the companies. So much about the way Americans work has changed because of Silicon Valley and tech, and you reported on this a lot. In what ways do you see the role of this union being different or similar to the historic role that unions have played when it comes to work in the past? Similarly to, you know, uh, auto workers in the 50s, uh, the workers at Google are pushing for more power. Now, if you look, you know, you go back to the 1950s uh, and you look at like the auto workers union, it's mostly white, it's mostly male, it's all employees, and it's people doing very, very similar jobs. They're building cars. And their demands were, were pretty simple. Higher wages, better benefits, uh, reduced working hours, etc. Now, the tangible grievances of, of the Google workers are vast. You know, a lack of diversity at the company, things about like what Google is doing. Um, there are many, many issues. But again, you can reduce it to the same thing, which is worker power. They want to have more power. They want to have more say. What are the ways you think this union can change things, even though it doesn't have you know, the same power as a traditional union has? I think one of the biggest things this union can do is advance the conversation of what does worker solidarity look like in the 21st century? What does it look like for workers at a company that makes money digitally look like versus uh, at a company that makes money through manufacturing? I think the Google union is going to force a lot of legal re-examination. Like, should contractors be a part of, of unions if many of these big Silicon Valley companies run on contractors? How do you make a union that has solidarity globally? Should we change laws of how the contractors in India working to analyze you know, video footage for, for autonomous cars can be part of a union with uh, a high paid manager in Silicon Valley? You know, I think it's gonna cause a re-examination, or I think it could cause a re-examination uh, of a lot of what it means to, to have worker solidarity now. Sam, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Sure. Thanks, Devin. One thing that will give this union more power is if more people join. Sam says he'll be watching how other tech workers in Alphabet and Google respond to the announcement of the union this week. 
they have enough workers to actually affect change at the company, then it's going to be a completely different story. Thanks to KQED Silicon Valley reporter Sam Harnett. Also, if you missed our series, How We Got Here, which is all about the dissolution of worker power over the years, we'll leave you a link in our episode notes. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, Keanu Mogadam, myself, and our editor, Alan Montecilio. The Bay is local news to keep you rooted. We're made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us. Talk to you later. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.